Hey everybody, welcome back to my channel. My name is Dana Trupiana and I cover infamous gangsters every week in a true crime-like format. My show, Mob Times, comes out every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Well, it's 10 o'clock, it's Tuesday, so here I am. So I am about to get into the very last part of my Anastasia video. And that's big because this is part three. And honestly, I'm hoping that I get through the entire thing this episode because there's so much more information to go through that it's entirely possible I could even roll into a part four here. And I kind of hope that doesn't happen, but I also won't not give information to save time just because it's Anastasia. I can usually go through most of the other gangsters pretty quick, get it done, you know, one, two, bang, 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 done. But Anastasia is very important and he's one of those that like helped create everything. So I want to make sure to do him justice. And if that takes four episodes, it takes four episodes. You know, we got to do what we got to do. So I just want to address my last episode, part two. When I recorded part one and part two of Anastasia, I didn't do like a, you know, what's going on in my life kind of thing. And part two was during a particularly rough week. I'm not really going to go through exactly why it was rough, but just I apologize for that because I was a whole mess. Like I went back to look to see where I was so that I could start recording this episode at the right time. And holy moly, like I haven't even edited it yet. I know it's going to come out. It's not bad enough that I have to re-record it, but it's bad enough that I felt like I had to address it. And just let you guys know, I was just having a little bit of a crazy time. Yeah, like my makeup's off. I probably acted a little bit different, but I'm all back to normal. Everything's fine. And yeah. So one other change I wanted to show you guys, I have Louie here. He's my little Louie bear. He's so cute. Look, he's got ears that glitter and little feet that glitter. Isn't it cute? He's hanging out right here. I usually have my dragon right here, but I don't know. I had my dragon for a while and I just felt like a change of pace was necessary. He is kind of big, so he can't completely fit in the screen because he's on my desk. But yeah, this is what he looks like. He's super cute. He even has a little bow tie. I don't know if you guys could see it, but yeah, he's got a little bow tie. He's going to hang out here for a few episodes and then, I don't know, I'll pick out another one of my things on my shelf to bring up here and showcase for a while. I do have a lot of really cool stuff on the shelves behind me that I don't really give the time to show you guys. So maybe I'll just choose a new thing every week and, you know, bring attention to that one new thing. Who knows? Probably not. Not going to lie to you. It's probably not going to happen. I have commitment issues. So like committing to doing that every week, not really the greatest for me, but we'll see. I'll try. I'll give it an effort. One more time. I do want to address that my videos are getting a lot of views and it's amazing. I love that. But at the same time, I am still seeing over 90% of my videos being viewed by people who are not my followers. If you are somebody that watches my videos, please subscribe to my channel. I don't know why so many people are just like not doing it. I know that like subscribing to somebody isn't that big of a deal. You could turn notifications off so it's not like, you know, you're not getting blown up by my channel. I don't really post that much stuff. I only post once a week. I don't know. It just it means a lot to any YouTube creator. If you like the channel, subscribe to the channel, like the videos, comment on the videos. Just try to have an active role because there's really nothing else that 
people that don't have ads and stuff can ask for. Like, I don't do ads. I don't do Patreon. I don't do any of that kind of like money organizing stuff. So yeah, I'd appreciate it if you guys could just do the basics. Subscribe, follow, comment, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into the, hopefully the final part of the Anastasia video, shall we? Okay, so when we left off on part two, we were talking about Abe Rells and how he was about to rat out Anastasia. He had trial that day and Rells just so happened to get away from the six armed guards that were watching him and somehow get killed. Either he jumped down and fell or, you know, what most people think is that Anastasia had him off and most likely that's what it is. So now Rels is now dead and all charges against Anastasia for the murder of Morris Diamond and Peter Panto are withdrawn and there is currently no active cases against him, which is a huge turning point for him because he always has cases against him. Other than his time in the military, there's always something going on that's coming after him. In 1948, Anastasia left dock working and he decided to go into the garment industry. He bought a dressmaking factory in Pennsylvania the year that he got out of dock working. So like he made the transition. He stayed in dock working until he went over to dressmaking. He was called before the U.S. Senate in 1951 to testify at the Kefauver hearings regarding organized crime, which isn't a shock. Everybody that had anything, even peripheral relation to the mafia at that time was called the Kefauver Committee was gigantic and everybody who was anybody testified in them. So obviously Anastasia, who was well known to be a mafia boss, he's going to get called. And he did. I go over the Kefauver hearings pretty in-depth in my video about Frank Costello. So if you're interested in further information on that, definitely go check out the Costello video. Honestly, I recommend that one anyway. Costello was a beast, and that's actually a really interesting video. He did a lot of things. So if you're looking for something to watch after this, definitely go watch the Frank Costello video. At the Kefauver trial, Anastasia invoked his Fifth Amendment rights and refused to answer any questions. And again, that's just something we saw over and over and over again at the Kefauver trial. They called person after person after person up onto the stand to testify, and every single person pled the Fifth the entire time. Joe Gallo pled like over 150 times. He repeated this statement. He had like this whole written out statement. It was something along the lines of, I am not going to testify because I tend to think that my answer would get me in trouble, something like that. But yeah, so everybody did it. It was over and over and over again. They were getting no answers from absolutely anybody. Around this time, Carlo Gambino was promoted within the family, and he ended up in a much higher position that he was in, and he took his brother, Paul Castellano, with him. That is another video that I recorded. Paul Castellano video is super in-depth into Castellano himself, his family, and Gambino, and his relationship with Gambino, all that kind of stuff. So at this time, Anastasia is the underboss of the Mangano family, and he and Vincent Mangano do not get along. Vincent Mangano is the boss of the family and Anastasia and Mangano are constantly butting heads. 
Vincent Mangano was actually the first ever boss of what we know now as the Gambino family. He was known as a similar nickname as Anastasia, actually. He was known as Vincent the Executioner, which is like kind of funny because Anastasia's nickname is Lord High Executioner. And I wonder if he took that on after Mangano died as like, oh, yeah, you're an executioner. Watch me execute you, bitch. I'm the Lord High Executioner. So Mangano, he is just super jealous of Anastasia altogether. He doesn't like his close ties to like the really important people in the mafia because Anastasia is biffles with Luciano and Costello and he does not hide that. So Mangano just kind of views it as like you're an underboss and you're biffles with the boss of that family and the boss of that family. And he's just kind of like, I don't like that. Like you should be friends with other underbosses. Okay, stay in your lane. But Anastasia is like, no, nah, that's my dude. Like, they, he, he's not about to stop being friends with these guys. He was mad that Anastasia tended to go do work for Luciano and Costello, and he wouldn't ask permission from Mangano first. Because when you're in a mafia family, you can't just go do work for other bosses. You have to get permission from your own boss. And Anastasia was so close with Luciano and Costello that he was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I got you. And like, he'd rather ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. And Mangano did not like that. Mangano really, really resented how much power Anastasia held overall. He had leadership of Murder Incorporated. He controlled the waterfronts. He controlled the unions. And Mangano has an issue with this. Mangano's like, listen, you're my underboss and your power could totally fucking take me down right now. And I don't like it. Like, slow down, bro. You'll have your day as boss. But right now is not that day. Like, chill. And Anastasia's like, <laughs> he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Anastasia does not care. Because Anastasia could give zero fucks about the issues that Mangano has, Mangano starts to make moves to lower his power within his own family. Because he's like, okay, cool. You don't care that I care that you have all this power with Murder Inc. and Luciano and Castello. You don't care about that? Cool. So what I'm going to do is... I'm going to take away people from your crew so your crew is less powerful. Like, the boss of your family can fuck up your life if you fuck with him. And Mangano started to make moves like that against him. The two fought regularly, and it led to continued business and personal altercations. And these altercations were not pretty. Like, a few times they almost came to blows, and that would have been really bad because if it had come to blows, Anastasia would be dead. Like, that's it. You're, you're going to be killed. You lay hands on a boss and you're dead. Like, that's literally a rule. You are not allowed to hit a made guy. So if Anastasia took one swing at Mangano, he would have every right to cut his head off right there. So let's all give Anastasia a huge round of applause for the self-control that he exhibited and not punching Mangano in his stupid face. It's actually kind of funny because, like, as much as Anastasia is such a bigger name than Mangano, Mangano ran the family for 20 years. Anastasia took control of the family in April of 1951, and he died in June of 1957, meaning he was only officially the boss for just over six years. So Anastasia is so much bigger and everybody knows him, as opposed to Mangano, who ruled for over three times longer. He also was a lot quieter and he didn't die in such a public fashion. So I don't know. Mangano was born in Palermo, Sicily, and that put him into a situation where he was fitting really nicely with Maranzano. 
and he was one of Maranzano's original picks to lead a family. If you want to learn more about the Castella Marisi War and how the families were formed and all that, go check out my video on Lucky Luciano. Okay, did you watch the Luciano video? Cool, so now you know about the Night of the Sicilian Vespers too. Double score. So we're going to talk like you watched the Luciano video and you know what I'm talking about. So if you haven't watched it and you don't know what I'm talking about and you want to know what I'm talking about, go check out the Luciano video. But from here on out, we're assuming you know. Well, Mangano was considered to be a mustache Pete, but he wasn't killed in the attack of the Night of the Sicilian Vespers because he tended to be a little bit more progressive than like his co-Pete's. On April 19th, 1951, Vincent Mangano went missing and his body was never found. That same day, his brother Philip's body was discovered in Jamaica Bay. Nobody was ever arrested for either of their murders, but realistically speaking, we all know who did that dirty deed. It was Anastasia. As much as Anastasia comes off as like this power hungry, like, oh, you killed your boss so you could be boss type dude. There was pretty serious rumors going around that Mangano was actually coming after Anastasia first, and he was going to have Anastasia killed, which made Anastasia turn around and kill him. And since we have seen this happen over and over and over again, who could really blame him? Because, okay, so now Mangano's gone. So who's going to say something? Are you going to say something, Luciano? Because I'm pretty sure you killed Maranzano. I'm pretty sure you killed Masseria. And you did that for the same reason that Anastasia killed Mangano. I'm sure that he had permission before he did it. I don't think that Anastasia was the type to go out and just like go half cocked and and do it. He didn't seem like that. Like even when he wanted to kill Dewey, he came before the commission. So I'm pretty sure that he did go to the commission and be like, hey, I'm hearing rumors. Mangano's coming after me. He doesn't like that I'm working for you guys. And Luciano was like, I bet. Just go. Just go do it. So I think that he had permission. But either way, if Mangano was coming after Anastasia, like the rumors said, then that would make sense why Anastasia had him killed or killed him himself, which is a lot more likely because he liked killing people. And I think if you have like this like 10 year war going on with somebody and you just hate them so much and you're almost coming to blows, I think the... Number one thing that you're going to do, especially if you're like Anastasia, you're going to take out all the rage that you've had for the last 10 years. You're going to kill them. Maybe Philip really never pissed them off or anything, because when they found Philip's body, he was only shot once in the neck and twice in the head. So it was like a one, two quick thing. It's not like he was like beaten to death or had a rat shoved in his mouth or anything like that. There was nothing crazy. He just got shot and killed. So maybe I don't know. Maybe he never pissed them off. As soon as the Manganos died, Anastasia immediately becomes the acting boss of the family. A meeting of the commission is called and Anastasia's position as boss of the family is cemented by the commission's vote. It was unanimous. You know, everyone's clapping. Yay for Anastasia. And the family is now known as the Anastasia family. Costello backed him up with the commission. So like, The day that he came before the commission to ask to be the boss, Costello was right there. Like, that's his buddy. And he supported him the whole way. And Bonanno actually supported him a lot, too, because he wanted to avoid a gang war. And one thing you can guarantee is if there's an open spot for a boss, there's going to be a war for somebody to fill that spot. So they always try to fill the spot of leader as quick as they can just to avoid a power vacuum and a war for that very spot. So it makes sense. So let's talk about 
snake of a man known as Joseph Valachi. Joseph Valachi is probably one of the biggest and well-known mafia rats in history. He was in the Anastasia family. He would later turn government witness and a book would be written about him. This book was pretty much just like everything about him. What he said at trial, there was personal interviews from the author with him and just everything that he had to say about the mafia, which was everything, like he did not bite his tongue, went into this book. Falaci told the government that Anastasia killed Arnold Schuster, a witness that identified Willie Sutton, a bank robber. Police did not believe him and nobody was arrested for that murder. I don't know if police didn't believe him or it was just like, all right, you know, we believe you, but we can't prove it. What are we going to do? He also was the first one to confirm any murders, like everything that he knew about what was going on in the family was up for public ridicule. And, you know, everybody was going to talk about it because Balachi was just like, yes, I'm going to sing. Everybody listen to me. Everybody remember me forever for being the biggest rat ever. According to Balachi, Anastasia had been granting membership to new men, which means like he was allowing people to become made men for the small price of $50,000. Now, this is bad. This is totally against commission rules. And a lot of high-ranking mafia members knew about this and they are infuriated. They're pissed. He also said that Anastasia had been losing a lot of money betting on horse races, which is what made him resort to selling membership. And it made him a lot more unpredictable and crazier. So like, he's just always worried about money because he's in debt. That's that's what's going to happen when you're in debt. Almost every mobster who has ever talked about Balachi does agree on one thing. They all agree that everything he ever said was hot air. He wasn't an important member of the mafia. He was just like a low-level street thug. He wouldn't have had access to all the information that he gave. And he pretty much was just making shit up as he went along. He was just trying to give more information to get a better deal for himself. One example of Velachi saying shit that didn't line up with what everybody else said happened was his account of the murder of one of the founding members of the mafia, Giuseppe the Clutch Hand Morello. Now, according to Velachi, the person that killed him was a buster from Chicago, a hitman for Salvatore Maranzano, who carried his shit around in a violin case. The problem with that is Luciano claims that Anastasia is actually the one who carried out this hit and that Anastasia used Frank Scalise on this order. And it had no Chicago buster was anywhere in the vicinity and nobody has any idea what the hell Valachi is talking about here. Valachi even paints an entire picture of the murder of Morello like it, it, and it doesn't even line up. It doesn't make sense. He says that the buster shot him once. And Morello jumped back and like danced around trying to avoid the bullet. And the buster took this as a challenge, backed off and started shooting at him as if it was like an amusement park style, like shooting gallery, like where you shoot at ducks. That he did that and just like shot over and over again until he finished him off. Luciano's versions of events is a lot different than that. Joe the Boss Masseria, Giuseppe Morello, Luciano, Anastasia, and Scalise, they're all boys at this time. 
This made it really easy for Anastasia and Scalise to gain access to him. Whereas Valachi's account doesn't really tell how a random buster from Chicago would just like walk up in Morello's loan shark headquarters and start shooting and nobody would kill him because there was no buster from Chicago found at the scene. It just doesn't make sense. None of what Valachi said makes sense. I feel like once you get caught in a lie like that, like you have to start re-examining everything else that that person said. So do I think some of the information Valachi gave is accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Personally, I would give it like a 41% truth. At this time, Vito Genovese is trying to take control of the Luciano family. With Luciano in Italy, the only thing that he has to do is take out the acting boss. Frank Costello. But Genovese knows that he can't just kill Costello because what does Costello have behind him? He has Anastasia. So Genovese knows, like, I can't take out Costello without also taking out Anastasia because Anastasia is going to turn around and kill me next. Like, he's dead the second anything happens to Costello. And he knows it. So he decides that he's going to start a campaign against Anastasia using his reputation as a brutal killer as the reason that everybody should get on board with killing him. And pretty much saying like, yo, he has a super high body count. It's making the police look at us. We're all getting arrested because of this guy. Like, let's take him out. And just tries to get everybody in the mafia on board with him so that he'll get the okay to kill him. One example that he provided as to why Anastasia is like nuts and like killing too many people He's doing too many things. He's just crazy. And he says that this is backed up by his murder of a civilian in 1952. According to sources, Anastasia committed one of the most highly investigated murders in the history of the NYPD. So according to Valachi or whoever is telling this story, this is what went down with this civilian. So Anastasia is sitting and he's watching news one day and he sees a story. A bank robber, Willie Sutton, had escaped prison with four other inmates in 1947. Now, police, they go ahead and issue one of those bulletins where this dude's picture is included and every cop is on the lookout for this person. And because they issued it to the public, like they put it on the news, they made it very well known that this dude is wanted. It was like, you know, on the subways, I don't know if if anybody's ever been on a subway, like if you go on a subway, there will be like a poster on the subway. Like if you see this man, please contact police type of situations. Well, Arnold Schuster, a 24 year old clothing store salesman, saw Sutton. He is riding on the subway and he looks across from him and he sees Willie Sutton sitting on the subway across from him. Schuster is a law-abiding citizen, and he wants to help his country, so he calls the police and tells police, like, yo, I just saw Sutton, and he was on the R train headed west, and now the cops know exactly where Sutton is, and they can catch him. Police apprehended Sutton based on this tip, and now Sutton is, like, proud of himself. He's like, yeah, I I caught a bad guy. Yay, me. And he goes and does an interview with a newscaster. He explains on TV how he contacted police and how he told them where Sutton was and what a big part of Sutton's capture he was and how proud he was. Like, he's just like, yeah, I saw him and I told the cops I saw him and he got caught because I saw him. One month later, 24-year-old Arnold Schuster's body was found shot to death. He had been shot twice in the groin and once in each eye. 
Now, I think the message that goes along with that is kind of along the lines of like, you saw something, you said something, now you'll never see anything again. Your, your stupid little eyes got you in this position, buddy. I don't know that. I didn't see that mentioned, but I don't know. I, Murder, Inc. had a habit of leaving behind promotions, and that seems like what that means, no? Like, I mean, the fuck do I know, but I don't know. The man who shot him was believed to be Frederick Tenuto, another one of the four inmates that escaped jail with Sutton. Tenuto spent 14 years on the FBI's most wanted list, and he was removed on March 9th, 1964. Tenuto was removed from the FBI's most wanted list when he was killed. And it's said that Anastasia had Tenuto killed after having Tenuto kill Schuster. So Anastasia goes and finds Frederick Tenuto, who is another one of the people that he escaped prison with, and says like, yo, I'll pay you a shit ton of money if you kill Arnold Schuster. So Tenuto is like, oh, hell yeah. And according to everybody, it's because of Anastasia. This case would go on to be one of the most investigated murders in the history of the NYPD. It spanned over 10 years and utilized hundreds of man hours from all types of police officers in all of the sections, sectors, specialties, whatever the hell you want to call it. Everybody was looking into this case. Nobody was ever found, but it's pretty common knowledge that it was Anastasia. Now, Genovese who is trying to persuade the commission that Anastasia has to go because he's going out of his mind, is like, he's like using this murder as like proof. He's like, yo, like this civilian kid who has nothing to do with the mafia, who is completely outside of it, was killed because Anastasia doesn't like snitches. But the guy that he snitched on wasn't even in the mafia. We don't even know Willie Sutton. Who the hell is Willie Sutton? Why would you kill this kid? And he just uses it as like an excuse, like, yo, Anastasia is a rabid dog. He got off his leash. We need to put him down. He killed this civilian. The entire NYPD is looking at us because they know it. And even if he doesn't go down for this, like he needs to go away. Now, to be honest, I have been against Genovese a lot. Like I literally have a video on my channel called why I hate Genovese. Like, I hate this man more than any other mafia member, more than anyone. If Anastasia really did do this, Genovese is not wrong. Who has a 24-year-old kid killed because he ratted out a dude that you don't even know? And he didn't even rat him out. He just said where he was. Like, you want to kill everybody who's ever called the police? Like, come on, my guy, get your shit together. That's, that's, that's OD. You went he went a little too far there. So now Genovese goes to Carlo Gambino and he promises him that if he allies with him, he'll make sure that Gambino takes control of the Anastasia family after Anastasia is killed. So Genovese just kind of gets up in Gambino's ear and he's like, yeah, Anastasia's got to go. And if you get on board with me and you help me take him out, I'll make sure that out of the entire Anastasia family, you're the one that takes control as soon as Anastasia is dead. Gambino, Anastasia, Genovese, and Luciano, they pretty much grew up together. They were in the Young Turks together. They practically invented the mafia together. Like, this group has been close forever. But Genovese is just like a rat little fuck, and he spent years 
in Gambino's ear, convincing him that it was the only logical move that they could make is taking out Anastasia, and that pretty much like this is the only way that you'll ever gain power, and Anastasia has to go anyway, so we might as well do it together so that we can get you power from it. On June 3rd, 1955, Anastasia got a year in prison for tax evasion after he underreported his income in the late 1940s. After he got convicted, the federal government petitioned to revoke Anastasia's citizenship so that he could be deported back to Italy. They had been trying to do this for years, saying that he lied on his citizenship application paperwork. But after the convictions, they were actually successful and they were able to revoke his citizenship. However, that ruling was overturned in September of 1955, and at the end of it, Anastasia did maintain his citizenship. But he did lose it there for a minute. Like, there was a minute there that they were successful, and he had his citizenship revoked. Genovese made his official move to take control of his family when he had Vincent Gigante shoot at Costello at his apartment building on May 2nd, 1957. Costello survived. Thank God Gigante was a really bad shot. He walked away with only a lost hat. Gigante caught him in his hat, and I think he, like, caught the lobe of his ear, but not really much damage was done. But Costello did relinquish control of the family to Genovese because, like, he's getting up there in age. And at this point, like, having the title of boss of the family isn't really worth it to him anymore. It's not worth the headache. It's not worth fighting a losing battle. Like, there's always going to be somebody coming for that position. And it's really just not worth it to him to fight for it anymore. I did an episode on Costello, and that man is a monster. I linked the episode below if you want to go check it out when you're done with this one. I think I already mentioned that I did an episode on him, but if I didn't, if you don't remember hearing it, go check out the episode on Costello, because it's super interesting. He did so much in his life. So now, after Genovese makes his move and has Gigante shoot at Costello, Anastasia is pissed, because Costello is Anastasia's boy. Bonanno arranged a sit-down that prevented Anastasia from immediately taking Genovese to war for his attack on Costello. On June 17, 1957, Anastasia approved the murder of Frank Scalise, his underboss. I honestly can't really see why he approved it. The only thing that I can think is that Scalise was blamed for being the one that was selling membership to the family. And maybe to avoid being killed for selling membership, because I think it's pretty common knowledge, Anastasia was selling membership. So he kind of was like, all right, take out Scalise, and Scalise will take the hit for selling membership to the family so that he doesn't have to take that hit. He also approved the murder of Scalise's brother, Joseph, who was also a member of the family. Even though Scalise was executed for the crime of selling buttons, everybody kind of knew that it didn't really solve the problem because Anastasia was the one that was doing it. Approving the murder of Scalise was just kind of like a band-aid, like, oh, okay, here you go, you can kill someone for this. Genovese went on to get permission from the commission to execute a hit on Anastasia with the knowledge that Anastasia had sold buttons, not just Scalise. And he pretty much made the argument to the commission saying, like, listen, Anastasia is crazy. He goes after civilians. He sells membership. He's doing all this wild shit. And life would be so much better if only Gambino were boss instead. Like, I'm so tired of dealing with Anastasia and his bullshit. And eventually he was able to get permission from the commission to do it. 
According to FBI documents, there was a few other issues going on at the time as well. Shortly before anybody made the decision to sanction his death, in October of 1951, the ruling body of the Costello family, which was now the Genovese family, chose Anastasia and William Moretti to deal with an issue. Apparently, there was a bookmaker who had been convicted and was sitting in jail, and they were giving him money in order to ensure his silence regarding their involvement in his bookmaking operation. So in other words, this dude's sitting in jail because of his bookmaking operation, and the Costello family had a part in that bookmaking operation, and they didn't want him to open his money, so they were paying him. Pretty much like, here, we'll pay you to shut the fuck up and do the time and don't talk. The reason that there was a risk that this dude would talk is because he was called to testify in a trial of 18 New York cops that were being accused of being involved in bookmaking operations. I don't see it anywhere, but I heavily wanted to say that it was Stephanie St. Clair. Because if you watch my episode on her, after she went to jail, she turned around and ratted out a shit ton of police because she had been paying them to keep her safe and she was still sitting in a jail cell. So she's like, whatever, they didn't do their job, I'm telling. And she exposed the fuck out of like a lot of New York police officers. And she told the government about all of their involvement in a bookmaking scheme. So in my head, I was like, oh my God, is this the same thing? Like, are we talking about the same situation? But I was wrong. I was very upset that I was wrong, but I was wrong. She had the cops arrested in 1930. And this all is going on in October of 1951. But how cool would it have been if that was the same situation? It's wild that it happened in 1930 and now is happening again in 1951. So this must be like a pretty often occurrence that like a whole bunch of NYPD cops go down for their part in bookmaking schemes because this is the second time. So can't be the first or the last, I guess. So anyway, Willie Moretti was killed on October 4th, 1951 at a restaurant in Cliffside Park, New Jersey. Four men had been waiting at the restaurant and one had gone outside to look around just before Moretti had appeared. A moment later, shots rang out and Moretti was found dead on the floor. There were no witnesses to this murder. No gangsters attended his funeral, but his funeral was lavishly decorated with flowers that were sent by Frank Costello, Joe Adonis, Albert Anastasia, and Vito Genovese. The dude that got the cops wrapped up was Henry Gross, a convicted bookmaker. Apparently, he was given $200,000 to give testimony that would force the judge to dismiss the indictment against the 18 police officers who were currently on trial. The contract was paid out on October 5th and 6th, but the subjects started to get really scared that they were going to get killed after Moretti had been killed on the 4th. James Macri, the right hand of Gross, told police that he knew ahead of time that Moretti was going to be killed, and Anastasia was next. He said that Moretti and Anastasia had arranged and completed a contract between the indicted policeman and Henry Gross, and after Gross had carried through his part of the contract, Moretti, apparently with Anastasia's backing, indicated a shakedown of the indicted policemen and their co-conspirators to the tune of $100,000. After the shakedown, a group of those cops agreed to talk over the matter with Moretti and Anastasia. Two members of the group were supposed to meet Moretti and Anastasia at a restaurant the morning that Moretti was shot. 
Macri, who seems to be the brother of Vincent Macri, Anastasia's bodyguard, who was killed in April 1954, as well as Benedicto Macri, a garment center figure who was acquitted in a murder case recently and was an associate of Anastasia, who had also disappeared that year. He told police that no one felt sorry for Moretti and Anastasia since they had broken their agreement. Nevertheless, they feared the outcome of recent evidence. All they knew was that Anastasia was next on the list. Anastasia was also being named as the prime suspect in the disappearance of Mr. and Mrs. Charles Ferry, a plumbing contractor and his wife, who had been key witnesses in a pending income tax evasion case against Anastasia. An article was written by the Brooklyn Eagle on November 21st, 1951, titled, Hot Springs says no to Anastasia Sojourner, which said gangster Albert Anastasia reportedly marked for death by the underworld was barricaded today behind the high wire fence surrounding his Italian style villa at Fort Lee, New Jersey, with no place to go. The former Lord High Executioner of Murder, Inc. was told by the underworld to get out and face the same fate as gangster Willie Moretti, who was shot down in a Cliffside Park, New Jersey restaurant on October 4th. Moretti and Anastasia were accused of double-crossing underworld pals, the committee said, but it was reported that the mafia-led mobsters had told Anastasia they would spare him if he retired to Hot Springs, Arkansas. And it doesn't seem like anything ever came out of that because that was in November of 1951 and he didn't retire to Hot Springs, Arkansas. But an article entitled Albert Anastasia Wins Court Ruling appeared in the New York Herald Tribune on May 15, 1956, stating once again that the Supreme Court refused to review the government's unsuccessful efforts to cancel the citizenship of Albert Anastasia. So it appears that somehow, some way, killing the plumber worked and this tax evasion thing kind of went away. The hit of Albert Anastasia was assigned out to Joe Perfacci, Joe Gallo, Gio Jelly, and Carmine Persico. Now, there's a lot of speculation of who the actual shooters were and who was behind the killing. Because nobody went to jail or was ever actually officially charged for the crime, nobody but the people who were actually there really know who the shooters were. Don't come for me because you believe that the shooters were actually XYZ and I'm wrong. I've heard all the alternatives. It was the Irish mafia from the docks. It was the government. It was blah, 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 blah. At this point, it really doesn't matter. These are the names that popped up most often, so these are the names I'm giving you. If you've heard different, let me know. I'd love to discuss. But this is just the consensus that I've heard most often, so this is what I'm reporting, okay? On October 25th, 1957, Anastasia woke up and went to get a haircut at the Park Sheridan Hotel in Midtown Manhattan. His driver parked the car and took a walk which left Anastasia without any protection. Anastasia usually made sure to have protection with him, given his status of the boss of the family and how many people that he had killed and ordered killed who would seek revenge. So he usually made sure to have a bodyguard on him. And I said it last time and I'll say it again. I fully believe that the bodyguard was in on it. I don't think it's normal for a bodyguard to just go on a walk and the person he's guarding just so happened to die. So I think whoever this bodyguard was was definitely in on it. What are you going to do? While Anastasia was sitting in the barber chair having his hair cut, two men with scarves covering their faces shoved the barber out of the way and shot Anastasia. He got up and attacked the guys that were shooting him, 
But since he had already been shot multiple times, he didn't realize that what he was actually attacking was their reflection in the floor-length mirror in the shop. They continued shooting until Albert Anastasia died on the floor of the barbershop. The media immediately swarmed the site of his death. The number of pictures of Anastasia's dead body splayed on the floor of the barbershop, it gets to the point where it's like legit boring. Like there's so many pictures from so many different angles. You just, okay, whatever, you know, the next, 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 because there's just so many of them. Regardless of the attention that his death received, it wasn't the police that removed Anastasia's body from the shop. Tough Tony Anastasia and Anastasia's friends from the docks all flocked to the place that he was murdered. Interestingly enough, this is actually what happens when somebody's murdered. When my best friend was killed, everybody that ever knew him flocked to the place that he was killed. In the modern day example of this, when nobody cared about the guy that was clipped, it wasn't Albert Anastasia, nobody had access to the body or the place where he was killed. Nobody saw him or was granted any kind of access to him. Nobody gave him his last rites, even if he wasn't religious and probably wouldn't even appreciate it, he wasn't given it. It served as convenience for police in 2015. They didn't have to round anybody up to question them about the murder. They were able to question almost every single person that they wanted to at the scene. So like the fact that everybody came to the scene of the crime, they were able to go and question a lot of people. I was the only person that did not go to the scene of the crime. In the case of Anastasia, Police knew that there was next to no new information that they were going to get at the scene. It was cordoned off so the media couldn't get into the actual shop, so most of the pictures are from far away. But it was Tough Tony and the dock workers who actually removed his body from the scene. Anastasia's murder was front page news. The public was enamored with this murder. A film was broadcast throughout the entire country showing Anastasia's body laying on the floor of the barbershop. And New York Times' Selwyn Robb wrote, The vivid image of a helpless victim swathed in white towels was stamped in the public memory. The NYPD concluded that Genovese had ordered the hit with Gambino, but nobody was ever charged with the crime. Anastasia's body was interred at Greenwood Cemetery in Greenwood Heights, Brooklyn, after a funeral service at a Brooklyn funeral home. The Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn refused the church burial, which is pretty common. You never see mafia members having like their burials at a church or having their services at a church. They're always declined because they're mafia members. And usually, honestly, whenever I see somebody that does have a church service, I'm actually really surprised because 99% of the time they're declined. So this is not out of the ordinary. His family changed their name to Inicio and left the country for Canada in 1958. Because I don't know about you, but I would not want to be the daughter of Albert Anastasia. I mean, it's hard because like, yeah, you got a recognition to a certain degree. But at the end of the day, you never know if somebody's going to come for you. You don't know. You don't know what it's like to live that life. I don't know what it's like to live that life. And I have some serious family members. So it's kind of crazy. Years later, in 1963, Sam DeCavacante and his boys were secretly recorded in DeCavacante's base of operations on an illegal FBI wiretap. 
since the FBI could not use the recordings to put any of them in jail because the recording devices were illegal, they just decided to release all the wiretap recordings, along with 2,300 pages of transcripts, which interpreted everything that was said, why it was said, what it meant, what the background was to what was just said, all of that, all to the public. When the group talked about Anastasia, they talked a lot about how his death wasn't painful enough. This is like wild, because that man did not go down easy. He did not have a nice, pretty death. He attacked a mirror, thinking that he was going to stop the shooter. So to say that even with that death, it wasn't painful enough, that's saying something. Like, that's some serious accusations right there. They talked about how Albert, along with Anthony Carfano, who they referred to as Augie, wouldn't attempt to kill a man unless the odds were five or six to one. Obviously, that's complete bullshit. Anastasia killed a lot of people in his life. Definitely not only in situations where it was a guaranteed kill. He literally got put on death row for beating someone to death. So I don't want to hear that. That's just people talking shit. It's just, you know, mafia guys talking shit about another mafia guy. But at the end of the day, not any of what they said is true. Like, Albert Anastasia is connected officially to 61 murders by the NYPD, okay? If that doesn't give you a view of what he's done in his life, I don't know what will, okay? Because there is no situation... I mean, I'm sure there was situations where he killed people where it was a five or six to one, but definitely not all of them. And whoever said that's a fucking idiot. Anthony Tough Tony Anastasio was the brother that Anastasia had left in power at the Longshoreman in Brooklyn when he left for Pennsylvania. He trusted his brother. Tough Tony was also the one who helped him sink the ship during their bid to get Luciano out of his 30 to 50 year sentence in prison. Tough Tony became the president of ILA Local 1814 in 1932. He was hospitalized on January 2nd, 1963, after his niece had noticed that he had been breathing hard, and he died shortly after. His brother, Salvatore, wrote about him in 1967 very fondly. He is also fully under the impression that Tony was the reason that Albert Anastasia was killed, and that it had nothing to do with Genovese. According to Salvatore, Albert Anastasia was killed because his brother, Anthony Tough Tony Anastasio, was becoming too powerful. He says that he knows who actually killed Anastasia, and that they were alive and free, walking around undisturbed in New York. Apparently, in a deathbed confession, Antonio had told Salvatore who actually killed Albert. He says that the person who killed Albert was announced at the appellation meeting and claims that Genovese spoke the following when this revelation was made. You killed a generous man who he had helped many. Do you think you deserve a medal for what you did? He backs up his claim with proof that Valachi had originally stated that it was not Genovese's men and named the real men. But the second time that he was called to testify, all of a sudden it was Genovese's men that had killed him. One could assume that somebody changed his mind on who he believed killed Anastasia in between the time of his first and second account of the murder. The only reason that I would believe what Salvatore is saying is that I kind of believe that it was Gambino behind the hit. 
Do I think that Genovese seriously, seriously helped getting the okay from everybody necessary, turning everybody against Anastasia? Absolutely. But the same way that Genovese handled his own problem with Costello by having Gigante assassinate him, I think that Gambino handled the hit on Anastasia. It only makes sense. Perfacci was Genovese's boys. So I think it's entirely possible that there's a whole different set of shooters because Gambino would not have hired Perfacci. That would have been Genovese. He cites a clinic that treats over 10,000 workers and families, health and unemployment insurance, a club where workers spend their free time, a clinic with 14 dentists on duty, and a statue built of him that anybody passing through Union Street can see, all in Anthony Anastasio's honor. He goes on to say that there was talks of making Anthony president of all the ports in the United States. Apparently, Albert's success with the women's clothing industry in Pennsylvania and New York didn't help. It gains more and more power for the Anastasio lineage. Apparently, Jews and Sicilians alike opposed the power that he had been gaining because of mors tua vida mia. That's a term that comes from medieval Latin times, indicating a battle for survival, where your defeat is necessary for my victory and survival. It's the law of the jungle, meaning your death is my life. The term is used within a competition where there can only truly be one winner. In other words, the success of the Anastasios took away from the power of everybody else. He says in exact words, So the idea was this, to eliminate someone who wants to make his way in the fashion district. And by eliminating him, we also give a blow to his brother Antonio, who is climbing too much. And so it happened. He said a lot in these articles, but there's one little excerpt that I want to read because I think it's very true and relevant, and I think that next to nobody would ever hear it if you don't hear it here. They said all the bad things about my brother Alberto. I investigated. I tried to understand why, if he is arrested today, he is released tomorrow. If the law is the law, he must take his course. So it is clear that they have never found any charges. The only one was tax evasion, for which no one is saved there neither lawyers nor doctors. It was the only sentence that Alberto suffered, 10 months in prison, which he did in 1954. My brother Antonio and Alberto sat next to him. One day in a meeting of trade unionists said this, the industrialists are sons of dot dot dot. Well, four months later, he was gone. I followed the life of John Kennedy and I discovered that he too, during a lockout of the steel industrialists, called them sons of dot dot dot. Not even a year later, and he had met the same fate as Alberto. I don't know if it's appropriate to bring these two stories together, but it is a fact that in America, in the face of self-interest, doesn't look anyone in the face. I will never be able to convince myself that in such an advanced country, they are not able to find the real assassins of John Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther King, but they show puppets, individuals they had in their pockets, such as the Luther King's killer, two or three passports and hundreds of dollar bills. Who had given him those things? It is the organization which is above justice. When you collide an organization, then there is no way out. Industrial organizations, political organizations, interest organizations. 
The murder of John Kennedy, that has always been up for speculation. Everybody has always said either it's the mafia or the government took him out because, you know, he was whatever. Honestly, I could do a whole episode on John F. Kennedy. It's crazy, the stuff that they talk about. I talked a lot about him in my Carlos Marcello video, but... The the gist of it is America is made up of corporations and organizations. And if you go against them, guess what? You're going to die. And that's why Alberto died, according to Salvatore. Tough Tony's daughter, Marion Scotto, runs a Fresco restaurant in Manhattan. Fresco by Scotto. And his other daughter is Rosanna Scotto, which is super surprising. And I mentioned this the first time I did this episode because I know her very well. She's an extremely famous News 5 anchor and the host of Good Day New York in New York. And she's his other daughter. And Rosanna Scotto, she is like anybody that lives in New York knows who Rosanna Scotto is. Rosanna Scotto is married to Louis Ruggiero, grandson of Angelo Ruggiero, and none other than the dude with loose lips that ultimately kicked off the commission trials and brought down the mafia bosses of all five families. Rosanna and Louis had a son, Louis Ruggiero. Maybe he had a different middle name that was different than his dad, so he's not junior. I don't know. I just know that his name is Louis Ruggiero. And he was arrested on March 10th, 2015 for snatching a $1,000 Chanel purse at 1.20 a.m. as he walked out of a club. When he was arrested, they found a bag of coke and a forged Illinois license on him. In news reports, he was named as the grandson of ex-Gambino boss Anthony Scotto. This family is literally mafia royalty. His father is Rosanna Scotto's husband, Louis Ruggiero, who was acquitted of murder in 1997 Ralph D. Simone when he was allegedly murdered in Ruggiero's home. I think it's epic that Rosanna came out of this family, married someone who was definitely wrapped up in the mafia, and she decides to make her face one of the most famous and recognizable in New York. Like, the audacity, the balls, I love it, I'm here for it, go Rosanna Scotto. The first time I did this episode, I talked about how Anastasia had turned rat after Albert Anastasia died that the Freedom of Information Act request had released that he had cooperated. I see hard proof that he was named as a potential criminal informant, but honestly, the evidence that I'm finding that he actually turned government informant isn't substantial enough for me to sit here and report it as fact. There's one article, The Smoking Gun, Tough Love, written in New York Magazine stating that he did turn witness. In this article, it's claimed that Anastasio said the following savage line. I ate from the same table as Albert and came from the same womb, but I know that he killed many men and he deserved to die. Apparently, he said this to the FBI during a clandestine meeting in August of 1962. According to this article, Anastasio died shortly after his secret meetings with the FBI, told agents about a bunch of mafia members, and gave them information on Jimmy Hoffa. The problem that I have is this is only one piece of evidence that exists, or rather that I can find because I searched and I could only find this one piece of evidence that Tough Tony ever turned government witness. Tough Tony was allowed by Carlo Gambino to continue his operations on the Brooklyn waterfront, despite Gambino's apparent role that he played in Anastasia's death. The New York Magazine article reportedly names Tough Tony as Anastasia, regardless of the fact that he never changed his name and always went by Anastasio until the day that he died. 
There's also an article on militaryhistory.fandom that states that Anastasio, having seen his power curtailed in frustration, began passing information to the FBI shortly before his death. The sources this magazine gives is the Smoking Gun article from the New York Times, and they mention Peter Moss on page 208. I don't really know which book of Moss's that they're referring to, though. Like, I can't go in and check its legitimacy because they literally just say Peter Moss, page 208. They don't say what book it came from. They don't say anything else. So I can't say, oh, okay, let me go check that book on page 208. It doesn't exist. All in all, these are not very strong sources, and I don't believe either one. Until I see actual FBI documents showing proof that Anastasio turned rat, I don't believe a word of this nonsense, and neither should you. I'm an asshole for believing it the first time that I made this episode and telling you guys that he turned rat, but I don't believe that he did, and I don't think that anybody should ever assume that he did because I think it's really easy for one or two dirty little sources to say it and then this man's reputation is ruined forever but there's no proof that he ever actually did that and that's messed up to just destroy someone's name for nothing with no actual proof other than a military-history.fandom article and a smoking gun article from the New York Times that's completely incorrectly sourced so let's just agree that We don't know, but I don't think he ever actually gave anybody anything. As for Albert Anastasia's children, Richard Anisio is a lawyer in Toronto, and Joanna married a policeman in Toronto. Elsa Anisio passed away on June 25th, 2008, from complications of a kidney injury from a cardiac arrest in May of 2008. In his memoirs, Salvatore stated something that's super interesting and I really never thought about. He says, in America, you need to know one thing. The real bosses live and die peacefully. They are affiliated with politicians. Imagine if the guys that we all know now were actually underlings for the real heads of the family that nobody ever even knew. That their names were never in newspapers or ever talked about. Because only the famous guys like Luciano, Genovese, Costello, only they had access to the real bosses, which is like super interesting to think about. You think you know who the real heads of the mafia are because you look at things like the mafia commission trials where supposedly they brought in the heads of each of the five families. But if these guys really are affiliated with politicians, they would only bring in the figureheads. I mentioned this a little bit in my previous video about Frank McGarrelane where like, oh, you don't know how the real criminals operate because real criminals are the ones that don't get caught. Well, that's the truth. And apparently the same goes for mafia leaders. So that is all I've got for this beast of a human being, the Mad Hatter, the Lord High Executioner, Albert Anastasia. I hope you enjoyed this episode, this three-part episode, and I hope you learned a thing or two. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, follow, comment, do all the things, and I will see you next week for the first time in four weeks, a new person. Have a good week. Bye.